Welcome to the Field of Church podcast. Our church inhales and exhales the gospel every Sunday and is excited to bring our messages to you here. Thank you for joining us and we hope God moves in your life as you listen into this feed. Well, good morning, Fielder family. It's great to be with you this Sunday. I want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving and hope you've had a great time uh, during these past few days. Uh, and I pray this message will speak to you and me during the times in which we live. Let me just couch the message in this way. Some time back, I had a conversation with a person who was investigating whether they wanted to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And they looked at me and said, could you just give me an overview of the Christian life in a few words? Now, the few words phrase is always difficult for preachers, but I wanted to be able to share with him the Christian life in some ways he could grasp it. So I said it like this. I said, it is a relationship with God that has a miraculous beginning. I said to them, when you begin to examine what happens when someone hears the gospel and wants to accept Jesus Christ as Savior, you've got to recognize is a great miracle take place. In that moment, the Holy Spirit of God comes to live within a person. And at that moment, God takes a dead spirit that's dead because of sin and makes it alive. The Bible calls it being quickened. And it's a miraculous experience, and when that spirit comes alive, God does some miraculous things. He forgives us of sin. He removes the guilt. He removes the barrier between us and God. And in that moment, a miracle takes place, and we have the presence of God within our lives. And so the Christian life begins with a miracle. But then I said it ends with an incredible experience called heaven. When you begin to read through the Bible, you recognize that, that this isn't our home anymore, that we're going to a place the Bible calls heaven. And you say, well, Gary, what is heaven going to be like? Well, that's a, a complete new sermon. But in reality, when I think about heaven, I'm reminded that when Jesus was talking about it, he used the simple word paradise, that one of these days we're going to go into the presence of God, and the Bible says it's a place called paradise. And I don't know all that's going to be there. I've heard of streets paved with gold and pearly gates and all those things. But if Jesus thinks it's paradise, I think it's going to be a pretty special place. Of course, when I think about heaven, I'm reminded of one scripture that always comes to me about that experience. It's found in the book of Revelation, chapter 21. It says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven, first earth had passed away. The sea was no more, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. Look how beautiful it is. Coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with him. They will be his people. God himself will be with him and as their God. Listen to what he says he will do. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, because all these former things have passed away. Now, I don't know about you, when I think about the beginning of, of this relationship with God, and I think about the destination that we have, I, my first question would be, why would anybody not want to be a follower of Christ? Because of what God does in their lives. But as I made that statement to that person, I said to them, here's our challenge is there's an in-between time in which we're asked to live between this miraculous experience in this incredible place called heaven. There's a life that you and I have to live. 
And in that life, certainly, there's incredible blessings. And, and when you only have one life to live, I'd rather live it as a follower of Christ than any other way. And in that life, why? You have the presence of God. You have the power of God. You have prayers that are answered. You find peace that surpasses all understanding. You have joy that is unspeakable. And certainly in this life, we get to experience the blessings of God as we seek to follow after the Lord. But also in this intervening time, there's some difficult moments. There's times of trouble. There's times of tribulation. There's times of doubt times of disappointment, times of anxiety and worry and pain. And we experience every bit of that. And all those things that Revelation talked about passed away is just reminding us that those things are present in our life on a daily basis as we live between this incredible miracle and this incredible destination called heaven. And when we begin to look at that, we're also reminded that the biggest challenge as we live on this earth is ourselves. It's not everybody else. It's not the people around us. It's the fact that as you begin to look at our lives, you begin to realize that we don't do so good, that there's a lot of failure to our lives. And we oftentimes, more than we're disappointed in the world around us, we're disappointed in ourselves. I'm reminded of what Paul said about it in, in Romans chapter 7. He said, for I don't understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want but I do the very thing that I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that that is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have a desire to do what is right, but the ability to carry it out, I don't know. For I do not do the good I want, but I do the evil uh, that I don't want to do. That's what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it's no longer I who do it, but it is the sin that dwells within me. And every one of us recognize that reality of knowing what we ought to do, even as a follower of Christ, wanting it with all of our heart and soul, but, but not getting there. And what we began to understand is the great challenge it is living between those two poles of salvation and eternity. Now, as you look at that, you say, Gary, then what do you do in the intervening time? Some people think, well, you just withdraw. Let's go get a cabin in the mountains, in the woods, away from people, away from life, away from politics, away from finances, away from all these things that we experience. Some people think, well, let's just withdraw. Other folks just sit around and complain just gripe about what God's allowed within their life or what's happening. And, and a lot of people take those complaints to God thinking it's God's fault. But then many others will look at this life and begin to blame other people, think other people are the reason why they do what they do. Well, what we're going to be looking at today in Ephesians chapter 4 is that's not the way God intends for it to be. That God has a plan for his children in this intervening time. And if we'll follow that plan, we, we will find God blessing our lives far beyond what we ever imagined. Now, to understand that plan, you've got to recognize the setting the world in which we live in, you, you, you've got to recognize that, that we live in a world that is never going to satisfy us. And in fact, we live in a world that's going to oppose how we live. And we're going to live in a world that doesn't see how we live. It will never be an encouragement to us. In, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, the very first thing it says, Now I say and testify in the Lord that you no longer walk 
as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their minds. What it's saying is we're living in a world and uses the, the word Gentile just to describe a world away from God. It's not demeaning a, a race of people. What it was just using that word as a descriptor as a descriptor of the kind of world, a worldly world, a Gentile world, a world that is empty from God. Now, it's described even better over in, in Philippians chapter uh, number two when it says that you walk as blameless and innocent children without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. In other words, we live in a world that is crooked and twisted that doesn't understand what we believe and where we're going. That, that word crooked right there and twisted is, is a Greek word, scolio, okay? It, it is the word that we transliterate to describe scoliosis. Anybody who's ever had a family member with scoliosis know that instead of a straight spine, that you have a curvature of the spine. And, and it causes all kinds of problems. And many times people with that will be humped over and, and they have great pain and great difficulty. What it's talking about is something that was intended to be straight and is now something that is twisted, something that is warped or distorted, something that's been corrupted. Well, that's what the Bible says to us about the world we live in. It's been corrupted. It's been twisted. It is a world that doesn't understand the things of God. And when we try and live out the Christian life and live out the gospel, we've got to understand how we live in a world that is twisted and is crooked. It describes it further in the verses following verse 17 in the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Not only are they futile in their minds, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. And they have become calloused and have given themselves up to sensuality and greedy to practice every kind of impurity. It lists a series of traits of the world that we live in. It speaks, first of all, of an empty mind, a mind that is empty of God. If you wonder why the world around you is pursuing pleasure and greed and all those things they are, it's because they're empty and there's something lacking in their soul. And what it says right here is as you try and live this Christian life, you're going to be living around a bunch of people that are empty in their minds. Now you say, yeah, I'm living around a bunch of people with not any brains. It's not saying not brains. It just means their mindset is empty of God. It says they're darkened in their understanding. In other words, when they try and make sense of the world around them, they don't have the presence of God to help them understand things. They are darkened in their thought process. It'd be just like right now. If we blindfolded you and took you to a room you'd never been in, took the blindfold off in that darkened room with no lights and expected you to live around and walk around in it, you wouldn't know what to do. You'd hit your shins, you'd knock your head, you'd fall down. Why? Because you don't understand what's around you. That's what it says about the world we live in. It's darkened in its understanding. It is alienated, it says, from the life of God. In other words, the ways of God, they don't compute. 
And so when you and I try and live this Christian life around a group of people without God, and we try and talk about where we want to go or what we want to do, the world around us doesn't get it. Let me maybe picture it this way. You know, God made men and women different. Aren't you glad he did? I didn't want to marry a fishing buddy or a golfing partner. I like that God brought the right female into my life, but she's different. And one of the things that's the challenge of marriage is trying to understand each other. Some of you ladies would say, yeah, I don't understand this guy. And same thing about the woman. But one place that men will never get to is what it's like to have a baby. In fact, any of you guys that have had a baby, I'll be your agent, okay? And we'll take care of that. But, but men, have you ever tried to, to talk to a woman about what it means to birth a child? have within their body a life that is growing and is moving. It's one of the greatest joys of life, but it's something you and I guys, we'll never get to experience. Oh, we can put our hand there and watch that baby move, but we don't get it, especially what it means to birth that child and see a child come uh, there in that place. Well, that's what this is saying. It says we're living in a world that doesn't understand the Christian life. And God calls us, it says right here, to not live like that. Don't live like the rest of the world lives. You have a different world in which you're supposed to live in and a different way that you're supposed to live. And certainly as you live in it, the world is absolutely never going to cooperate with you and me as we do it. But he gives to us three very quick ideas that we can grasp, for three very quick things that not lead to perfection, but will help us learn to be what God wants us to be in the middle of this darkened world. It begins in verse number 20. It says, but that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you heard about him and were taught in him as truth in Jesus. Look at verse 22. So put off your old self, which belongs to your former way of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. The first thing he says is if we're going to make it in this intervening time to be what God wants us to do, there's some things we need to shed, some things we need to do away with that's our old way of life. The illustration right here is the simple illustration of wearing dirty clothes. It's saying to us that, that, that when you come to know Christ, God transforms our spirit but every one of us brings some old ways of life into this relationship with God. And as we bring that old life into the relationship with God, when God begins to put his hand on those things, the greatest thing we can do is take those dirty clothes and take them off and throw them away because it is those dirty clothes that keep us from being all that God wants us to be and experiencing all that he wants us to experience in this life and to be used of him in the way he wants to use us. Let me maybe picture it this way. When, when I was a young man uh, back many, many years ago, our cars operated differently. As you know today, cars are built on electronics. There's very little electronics in cars back in those days. In fact, if you had a clock in your car that worked, that was the most electrical thing you had. And all you knew about cars, it was dirty and smutty and oily. And, and, and you get around a car at hood or an engine, and you know you're going to get dirty. Well, whenever my car would break down, we would go to a man's house by the name of Charles. Charlie McMoran. Now, Charlie had a little shop out behind his house and hold a couple of cars. And so I can remember driving up and describing Charlie as he would come out from under the car and he would have dirt and grime and oil all over his body and his clothes were filthy. You never shake his hands and he always would have a rag and he'd walk up to you and you'd describe what was wrong and he'd open the hood and, and he'd figure out what's going on. Well, I remember one time I was there and his wife Floyd walked out of the house 
and saw him standing out there with me. And she said, hello. And she said, now, Charlie, she said, dear, dinner's going to be ready in about 30 minutes. Why don't you get cleaned up and come on in and we'll have dinner? Charlie would always shut down the shop and close the garage doors and everything. And he would go and he would walk up the steps to his house and he would not go in the kitchen, certainly with those dirty clothes. He'd walk around the side of the porch and go to what we would call today a mudroom. And in that mudroom, he'd take off all those filthy clothes and there was a shower there. And he had special uh, formula that he used to get all that oil and stuff off his hand. And he would clean up and get ready for dinner that Floyd had cooked that dinner. Well, what if he took his shower? And then put those old clothes back on. That would be stupid, wouldn't it? You wouldn't want to do that. Well, that's what it's saying right here about our walk with God. God has done something miraculous within our soul when he saved us. He's done something to regenerate us. And he's saying that old way of life is filthy clothes. And God wants to bless you by helping you take those garments off. But you don't want to come to know Jesus And that filth that you turned away from when you came to know Christ, putting it back on, no, you want to shed it completely. Why? Because you know it's going to be something that hinders your walk with God. Now, as I say that, there's some of you right now that in your heart, God's already put his hand on something that you need to shed. He's done that in my life. Even as I sit right here giving this message, I could give you a list of of old ways, he's saying, Gary, Gary, they're destroying you. They're burdening you. They're, they're, they're weighting you down. Get rid of those things. In fact, I like what it says in uh, the book of Hebrews. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings to us closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, keeping our eyes upon Jesus, who's the founder and perfecter of our faith. What it's saying right here is these filthy garments are like a weight. And we need to recognize that God's trying to bless us by calling us to put them aside and throw them aside. And so today, the greatest thing you can do in the beginning of walking with Jesus in between coming to know him and going to heaven is to shed those things that are destroying your life. But then the second thing, he says in this, verse number 23, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, to be renewed. You ought to circle the word renewed. What what do you mean by renewed? Well, it's a word that was used in the book of Romans as well. Chapter number 12 said, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, which is reasonable worship. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Now, here's that word, by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may be able to discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, what it's saying right here, it's using this same word, that we're to be transformed by the renewal of our mind. You see, in the beginning, our spirit is transformed at salvation, but we have my mind, will, and emotions that have not been transformed. And what God wants to do is to renew that 
He wants to take that which has been part of the old self's way of thinking. And what he says, he wants to renew it in the spirit of our minds. That word renew, interesting word in the scripture. It means to renovate something. Now, have you ever been involved in something that was renovated? You took something that looked old and you redid it and made it look new and made it look nice. When you re-renovated it, it made it more usable, usable. It made it more functional. It made it something that you could, that, that looked looked better. I, I know in my life, I, I live with a renovator, a renewal person. My wife, Sandy, has an incredible gift of, of being able to walk into a room and seeing what it be, can become. When I walk into a room, I'm looking to where I'm supposed to sit and what I'm supposed to do. I, I don't think about whether the room could be different. She looks at it completely different. She walks into a room and and all she can do is think about, wow, if they'd move this over here or if they'd paint this this color or if they'd change this out and do this or if they'd rearrange, she's a renovator and it's an incredible gift. Now, now I want you to know it, it becomes a gift that, that, that she uses quite often in our relationship, but in our home. And I've always learned because of that gift to always trust her that where she's taking this room is going to be better for me, better for everybody around us. Well, that's what this word renew is right here. It is not a God who wants to mess us up or hinder us from, from, from experiencing his blessings. No, he desires more than we could ever know to make our lives into something that it, it, we could never imagine it being. And when he looks at us, he doesn't see us as we are. He sees us in what we can become. And what he's wanting to do within our mind and within our spirit is he's wanting to, to renovate our thinking so that our thinking aligns with his thinking. And when it aligns with his thinking, something incredible happens within our lives. It says right here that by testing, you discern what is the will of God. And what we have to do is we have to discern that that will of God is good. It's acceptable. It's perfect. It is the best way to live our lives. I'm afraid many times what we do is think that the will of God is God's trying to hinder us from the joy within life. He did that with Adam and Eve and trying to get them to think they were missing something in the garden. God was just trying to protect them. That's what God's wanting to do in your life and my life. He's wanting to change our thinking. He's wanting to teach us how to test the world around us and the decisions we make. And by changing our thinking... We look at it from a different perspective. Now, certainly he uses a word right here that by testing, as I looked at that verse, I, I would admit to you, I've never seen the word by testing. And what I really think he's saying is as we fill our lives with the word of God and it becomes a light under our path and a lamp under our feet, there's certainly going to be some times we misapply it. Certainly going to be some times that we don't do it right, but, but God doesn't sit up there and chastise us for that. He's always grateful for anyone who wants to walk in the center of his will, and he accepts our testing, which has some successes and has some failures. But what is he doing in that? He's getting us into the center of his will. And in the center of his will is the greatest place to live our lives. And in this intervening time, between the miracle of salvation and the incredible experience of heaven, the greatest way we can live our lives is in the center of God's Word and learning God's Word, not so we could know the facts or we could line up all the doctrines. It's so the Word of God can take this mind that has been having deceitful ideas and wrong ideas and renovate it 
And as he renovates it and changes it, it begins now to go in the right direction. And God blesses that life as we do that. And one of the reasons why we want to begin every day with the word of God and we want to memorize it is not just so we can say we did it, so God can use it to transform our lives as it describes in Romans chapter 12. But then one other thing, and I'll conclude. Not only does he say put off some things, not only does he say bring some things into our mind to renew us, look if you would that last verse, and put on the new self created in the likeness of God in righteousness and holiness. Now, what's he talking about here is certainly when Jesus comes to live within us, he brings his presence within us. And His Holy Spirit comes within us. The Bible uses a phrase calling it a new nature. Our problem is, is that old nature is still fighting the new nature. And what it means every single day is we have to decide whether we're going to obey the flesh and the world or the devil, or whether we're going to obey this new life that we have in Jesus Christ. And He says whenever this battle goes on, don't put on the flesh. Put on the Spirit of God. It says in the book of Galatians, the, the Spirit of God is what? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified its flesh with its passions and desires. And so what it's saying right here is when the flesh tries to get us to go a direction, we say, oh no, I'm going to put on this new nature this new life that I have in Christ. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit fill me and control me. And when I do that in this intervening time, I'm going to find my life being lived as God would have it to be lived. I, I, I like this phrase that someone said, said, every morning when we get up, we decide what we're going to wear. Are we going to wear the old self? Are we going to wear the old flesh in its desires which are deceitful? Are we going to let God's Spirit renew our mind and put on the Spirit of God and allow the new nature in its righteousness and holiness to be lived out through our lives? And as we allow God's Spirit to be lived out through our lives, we'll find a miracle happening, just like the miracle of salvation. Not only will we be transformed in the regeneration, we'll be transformed in the sanctification and the changing of our lives. And that happens when we shed this old way of life, let the Word of God come to live within us and then allow Christ to be lived out through us. You say, okay, Gary, that sounds really good. Can you bring it down to where I live? That's great theology. It's a great understanding. What does it mean in the, the throes of life and then the temptations that I face to live this out? Well, in this text, he spoke about the fact they're callous lives, they've given themselves up to sensuality and greed and practices of immaturity. Let's just stay with the scripture and take those two areas. Let's just take the first one, which is a hot button in our world, this idea of sexuality. I don't think anybody would not say today that we're living in a world that's sexually confused, sexually doesn't understand. That's because our world is darkened in its understanding. Our world is alienated from God. So the only way our world knows to live is by the animalistic or the human desires that have been corrupted. And as you watch our world head down its sexual path, you see it making all kinds of mistakes. Why? It's because God is far away from that. God is far from that. 
And one of the things that should happen to the believer is when we come to know Christ, we want to live, push that aside and live for Jesus. So what we began to say is, Lord, I'm going to put that old way of life off and I'm going to let your spirit come to live within me and I'm going to search your word to see what it says about sexuality in this world. And I don't care where the rest of the world is going. I don't even care how I feel about what I want to do. I just simply want to do as your word says. Well, let me just make it very simple in that area. When you begin to study the word of God from Genesis to Revelation, there's a lot about sex in this book. Let me boil it down to one simple statement. Sexual activity is one man and one woman in the sanctity of marriage only. Not maybe, not half the time. The sexuality is sexual activity of one man, one woman in the sanctity of marriage only. It's very simple in the Word of God. Now, I know you may say, well, Gary, I feel this way. Well, listen, if I live by my feelings, I, I would have killed 10 people on Cooper Street this last week. I don't live by my feelings. If I live by my feelings, I'd have a, a half a gallon of Bluebell ice cream every day. You don't live by feelings. You live by what is right and what is best. More importantly, what is revealed in the Word of God. And no matter what you may think you like to do, what you've got to discover is what does God want me to do? When I do what God wants me to do, what happens? The blessings of God come to my life. I think that's what he wants to do in the arena of our sexuality in our world. But then let's move from that one, okay? Because I would admit as a guy who's been married for 50 years, it's been a great blessing on my life to live that out. But the area that I oftentimes struggle with, and maybe you do as well, is when it speaks about greed and every practice of impurity. Now, why would it couple greed with impurity? Well, you remember what the Bible says. What is the root of all kinds of evil? It's the love of money. And let's admit that every single one of us struggle in that arena. Money has a way of getting its tentacles around our soul. Our decisions are based upon money, and, and we begin to think about having more and getting more, and, and life is lived like that, and, and we want, want to gather more, thinking that there's joy and happiness in having stuff, and, and the world begins to tell us it's having more and more pleasure and more trips and more and more and more and more. And, but what is that? That's empty thinking. That's thinking ignorant of the Word of God. Because when you begin to study the Word of God, it doesn't speak about having to the point of being happy. It speaks about giving to the point of being happy. That you want to know how to handle the material world, become a generous person. You want to see the tentacles of greed, which can lead you to all kinds of impurity taken away from your life. Well, our church believes in generosity. That we ought to be not looking for ways to have but looking for ways to give. And when we begin to do that and live with what the Bible says about material possessions, what begins to happen? In this intervening time, the miracle of salvation becomes lived out within our lives in a miraculous way. And yes, there is trouble and difficulties, and there is, there's lots of failures, and there's lots of challenges within this life. But we have an opportunity to be in the center of God's will in that arena. And in the center of God's will, we find the blessing that God would bring to our lives. But where does that come from? It comes from recognizing there's some things we need to put off some ways of thinking about the issues of life, whether it's sex or greed or whatever it be in your life, recognizing what is contrary to the will of God and knowing it's dirty clothes, 
take those garments and put them away right now. God's speaking to you about some things you need to take off, okay? But then also, let the word of God fill your heart and soul and let the gospel come alive within your life because when the gospel comes alive within your life, that's when the new self comes alive. And today, if you have never experienced the miraculous experience of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we'd say to you today that comes out of opening your heart to Jesus. And when he comes to live within your life, a miracle will happen. He will take that dead spirit and make it alive. He'll forgive your sins. He will show you that you don't have a relationship with him by how good you are. You have a relationship with God by the grace of God. If you would open your heart to do that, I want you to know God would transform your life. And as he would transform your life, you'll see in this intervening time until you get to heaven, the presence of God will make an incredible difference as you seek to follow him. So I'd say to you today, if you've never done that, this is the time to do that. And, and you'll see on the screen uh, something you can text and, and a place you can go to. And as you go to that place, I want you to know someone will be in touch with you and help you find that relationship with God that will change your life. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to pray for me. After I pray, our worship team is going to lead us in a song. And then after that song, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper, which is a great reminder of that old self going to the cross and the new life we have in Jesus Christ coming alive within us through the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Let me pray for you. Father, this day, thank you that, that you understand that in this time between our salvation and going to heaven, that we have struggles and difficulties. And yes, oh God, you bless our lives beyond measure, beyond what we would ever deserve. And thank you, oh God, that it's not about earning those blessings. It's just about walking with you, walking in your word, walking in your spirit. And Father, until you come, becoming the people you want us to become, I pray for every one of us that we will put off those things that hinder us, those weights that drag us down. And Father, let your spirit and your word come into our mind and change us. And Father, let us live out the gospel as we fill our lives with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And as we do that, God, today we will celebrate the life we have in Jesus Christ. Do that today, God, for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.